Hey there, thank you so much for downloading the Big Time Talker. I'm Burke Allen in our studios here in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for being here today. Fresh episodes every Tuesday at Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend. And thank you to our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, our show sponsor. SpeakerMatch is the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you are a platform speaker, or maybe you're a meeting planner and you need a great speaker, you can find one another at SpeakerMatch.com. I was just in Austin, Texas, visiting with SpeakerMatch CEO Brian Kaplowitz a couple of days back. Always great to see Brian and lots of fun initiatives coming up this year with our sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com. Speaking of fun, on my business card, it says Director of Fun, but the only guy I know who has maybe a more fun job than I do is our guest today. He's my old buddy, Dave Lavender. Dave is a a longtime journalist who now is the head of the film office in my home state of West Virginia and also one of the big kahunas, the big cheeses behind an incredible event called Healing Appalachia. And I want to get into it. Mr. Lavender, thank you for being a part of the Big Time Talker today. Yeah, thanks, Burke. Yeah, so glad to join you, man. Always love hanging out with you, brother. It was uh, fantastic spending time with you uh, on two completely different things earlier this year. First, a, a film project, and then the second, this this wonderful event that you're a part of called Healing Appalachia. And and I want to start by uh, talking about that. You know, we have listeners all over the country, all over the world, who may not be familiar with our little corner of the world, uh, Appalachia, and, and what has happened there in the last uh, humpty hump years with the opioid crisis and, and what you and some other dedicated folks are doing about it. So so let's paint that picture uh, for folks. You live in Huntington, West Virginia, which uh, several years ago had one really tragic event uh, happen that I think was the the impetus to start a lot of this. Paint that picture yep. for us. Yeah, sure. So so in, in August of 2016, we had 26 overdoses in one day. And you know, we, I think uh, it made world, you know, global news, it made headline news everywhere. And we were kind of uh, the spear point of uh, the opioid crisis. People, I think, all over the world um, found out that there was this crisis happening. And unfortunately, Burke, you know, that crisis has spread around the country. You know, last year we had 109,000 people in the United States die of um, opioid um, overdoses. And so the problem's not gone away. Unfortunately, you know, it's spread around the country. And, um, you know, here in Appalachia, you know, that's always been, you know, we've always had, um, you know, it's always been, uh, you know, a, a kind of place where that's been uh, poor and extractive resources. And so anyway, it was kind of ripe for um, folks getting taken advantage of um, by the pharmaceutical companies. And so anyway, we saw, you know, just this this widespread uh, impact of the opioid crisis. And as you know, you know, living here in, in, in Appalachia, you know, Ricky Skaggs always says the pressure makes the diamonds. And I would say the beautiful thing that's come out of um, the, the opioid crisis is that, you know, people have come together, you know, we're a, and created uh, kind of just a patchwork quilt of uh, solution seekers, people like Jan Rader um, and, you know, uh, who was one of Time's most 100 influential uh, people. And she was the first female fire chief in West Virginia. And she responded to this crisis, you know, with a with a wide angle lens, with a long view of the future and with empathy and pat- compassion for uh, daily. And so anyway, so so um, what we did um, with Hope in the Hills is that uh, there are a group of musicians who were like, we can't uh, sit on the sidelines. We know that the opioid crisis has continued to take some of our greatest and best. Um, think of Michael Jackson. Think of Prince. Think of Whitney Houston. Think of Tom Petty. All right. passed away because of opioid, um, uh, the opioid epidemic. And so... You know, we we know that mu- that through music we can say um, it's not uh, just us and them; it's it's just us. And so, back in uh, 2017, a, a group of folks, Ian Thornton, who manages Tyler Childers, and Charlie Hatcher, and folks got together in Huntington and said, "We got to do something." So in 2018. Uh, sort of tried to create in the spirit of farm aid, you know, a place where people could come together like a concert to raise awareness of the opioid crisis and then raise funds for these kind of boots on the ground folks who were trying to every day save lives, 
truly angels on earth, people trying to save lives, people, um, you know, dealing with babies who were born addicted, um, and then people trying to get people from recovery to work. And so um, 2018, 2019 had uh, two great healing Appalachians at the state fairgrounds of West Virginia, right. and um, was able to give a good amount of money to folks. Then, of course, COVID hits, and we had to go two years virtually. And um, then we came back just really running and gunning uh, last year in 2022. We had people from we had almost 17,000 people paid uh, from 38 states and three countries. And um, then this year we had even more. We had uh, 18,000. And we, of course, the great thing about Healing Appalachia is that it's kind of for us, by us. So it's kind of FUBU where it's uh, we use uh, recovery volunteers to, as you saw, we yep. had 546 recovery volunteers this year, and they build the stages, they work security, and they make it happen. And this sort of that's the beautiful part of uh, Healing Appalachia is that we're not only kind of giving people the tools to get better, but then we're also empowering them, strengthening them to um, be part of the solution. And then the give back. I think that you see that right with with um, you saw that with the recovery community is that there's a spirituality to it where people um, you once they see the light, as Hank Sr. said, and they get better, they want to reach back and help people out. And we love that part of it. And we love being a kind of like a place, a conduit, a pivot to help make that happen. So it's a really kind of beautiful thing what it's turned into. It was an honor to be a part of Healing Appalachian, to be uh, there with boots on the ground for a couple of days. Um, Dave Lavender is our guest today on the Big Time Talker, and uh, he's part of the, the, the committee that steers and puts together Healing Appalachia. As a longtime journalist there in Huntington, for folks that are not familiar with that city, that's a college town, what, 50,000 people probably? Yep. Yep. How many folks in the metro area? Yeah, about three three hundred thousand. Yeah. So yeah. And and the uh overdoses course, in one day and not in a New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles size metro area. That's an enormous, enormous thing. Yes, and 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 to this day, Burke, um, so so one of the fallouts of the opioid crisis is that you know the pharmaceutical companies got people hooked on on pills, right? And 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 of course we've seen the just flood of um, you have, uh, of course, Netflix documentaries about it. You have uh, like heroin that was up for the Oscar um, that Elaine Sheldon did with Jan Rader. But then you have like TV shows, you know, that really paint this picture of what the Sacklers and those kind of folks did. And they've had and we've had all of the consequent and subsequent um, lawsuits that have proven that out. Right. The the fallout of it is that folks then got addicted to from the pills, got addicted to heroin and fentanyl and, and stuff. And so we still to this day um, have a problem, you know, with uh, s- some of the side impacts are, um, you know, that we need in the United States, we need uh, places where folks can have a clean needle exchange. Um, so we need harm reduction. If we do not have uh, adequate harm reduction and needle exchanges in cities, then you see a just overwhelming um, uh, bump up with HIV, with HEP. And, you know, just a couple years ago, Charleston, West Virginia had the worst outbreak of HIV in the United States. And there's been little towns in Indiana that had the same problem if you don't have adequate needle exchange and harm reduction. And, you know, the, these are tough discussions for folks, you know, to have. But, you know, the the and for politicians, you know, sometimes, you know, this crisis has created political footballs. And I would just say that from, you know, on behalf of Hope in the Hills and Healing Appalachia, that we come at this thing uh, as solutions first, as data first, as jur- as a journalist, you know, I'm not interested in political political footballs. I'm interested in numbers. I'm interested in people. I'm giving interested in giving people a second chance because we know that people deserve a second chance. I always say for people that don't understand it, one of my favorite te- teenage heroin addicts was James Taylor. He was absolutely um, hooked on heroin as a young as a young kid. You know, as a songwriter who had got signed to Apple Records, right? And had this great career, but he had to go to, he had to come back home and clean up and right. And he got better as we know, and has become one of the world's most beloved songwriters. And what would we have done without him if we threw him away? And so that's, that's kind of the, the, the thing that we're trying to hammer home is that, 
you know, it's just us and that we have to, as a community, we have to, I call it the greatest spiritual crisis of our time is like, how do we treat our brothers and sisters? And so the opioid crisis is a mile deep and wide, and we have to have a reckoning day with our own empathy and compassion. I'll give you a real good, for instance, in West Virginia, this is not uncommon. 98% of the people in prisons are coming out because most of them just did something stupid when they were hooked on drugs. So we have to like double down on education. We have to double down on a uh, clean slate. When people come out, we got to give them, got to give them a chance when they come out. We can't just uh, punch them down and have everybody start back at McDonald's. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, we need to make sure that we have adequate uh, education in prisons. We need to make sure that we have adequate recovery to work. And that's the folks that we're interested in um, funding through Hope in the Hills and Healing Appalachia. A long time ago, Burke, you know, and, and I, as I'm getting older, I don't have time for people that sit on the sidelines and complain and don't do anything to solve the problems. I'm only looking for the live wires, right? I'm only looking for the Jimmy Carters, right? And so we're trying to do all the good we can, wherever we can, when we can. And this thing goes way beyond Appalachia, you know, and that's the kind of beautiful thing is when you're in this together, when you're in it for the right reasons, you attract the people who are like-minded. And so this last year we've, you know, we've had, as you saw, we've attracted the Jason Isbells, um, who spoke from the stage about his own recovery, which is very, very rare for him to do. Trey right. Anastasio, who, you know, his parole officer runs his recovery house, uh, Midnight Sky, up, that's getting ready to start up in Ludlow. And he's a beautiful person. He's been in recovery 15 years. But, you know, he went down that rabbit hole. That's really easy for, as we know, for musicians and artists, because every night's a Saturday night. Well, it can't be if you're making a living as an artist. At some point, you know, you got you have to grow up and, you know, you you have to come at this thing. And so we're seeing a lot more people, you know, and I think maybe COVID uh, helped uh, this. We're seeing a lot more artists go sober and be proud of it and be okay with it. And so we're seeing that. Do you, are you seeing that in the industry? I think I'm seeing more more artists being proud of it and saying, you know what, I, you know, I may dr- sing songs about drinking whiskey, but, you know, I can't. I can't throw back, uh, uh, you know, a liter of bullet bourbon every day and, and think it's going to be a retirement plan. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And, and I, you know, I'll tell you, I saw some amazing things at, at Healing Appalachia and, and you're so immersed in what you guys do there. And, and for our listeners to the big time talker podcast, this is a, a huge three day outdoor festival concert event uh, with lots of vendors on the sidelines that, that help folks who are, are dealing with, with others who are in recovery or maybe folks who want to get more information about recovery. You followed this story, I'm sure, for a very long time as a journalist. But I, I wonder if, if there have been things that surprised you or, you know, learning edges, things that, that maybe you didn't see coming when you got involved not as a journalist, but as part of the steering committee for Healing Appalachia. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think the great thing about, you know, being a journalist is that you're always you're never okay with um just 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 hearing um just just the surface level of something. And so I really want to, you know, as as I've gotten in, so I've been involved in the last um, you know, like three and a half years. Ian Thornton asked me to come along. I had served on like a dove of some different uh, nonprofit boards, right? So he knew that I kind of I, you know, I'm the son of a son of a Baptist pastor, right? And so I've always had an ability to look outside myself and to be very empathetic to people. And I'm not in recovery myself, but I um come at this thing um as a kind of faith in action, right? And is that we need to be our brother and sister's keeper. And if we're not what are we doing? You know, and so, yeah, kind of coming at this thing, um, you know, as a journalist, I want to get as much information as possible. And so I have very much just tried to listen, uh, believe that or not, because I've been talking a lot on the Big Time <laughs> Talker podcast. <laughs> but, but you know, I did surround myself with like Matt Christensen, who was my personal doctor, but who's now like the public health doctor over West Virginia and sit and, you know, talk, talk to, um, you know, the folks who are doing this work every day. And we have people on our board, um, like Tracy Levine, who runs Healing Housing down in Franklin, Tennessee, a women's shelter. Um, you know, I 
would go to the Appalachian Regional Commission uh, meetings. I went to the one in Cumberland, Maryland, two years ago, and sat in on all of the, um, you know, opioid, uh, you know, uh, breakout sessions. Uh, and and there's folks, amazing folks doing these uh, great data overlays, like uh, not to nerd out, but like, like, where's the problems? And then and then overlaying where um, the resources are, and then where are the worst problems that have no resources, right? And then mm-hmm. what? And then what? You know, what's the fallout from this opioid crisis that goes beyond? Okay, we help out. You know, I think the stereotype is okay. Here's a bunch of guys in their twenties with tattoos and backpacks. Yes, this is the opioid crisis. Guess what? Also, is the foster care system and foster kids. And the, there's a crisis in this country with um, foster kids. And there's also a crisis with, you know, kids being born addicted and then those kids being developmentally disabled to some extent and not being fully developed some of their senses. Like there's going to be a, 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 a new generation of low vision uh, folks that, you know, there, there, there's just all these sort of like, um causes that 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 are, are are because of the opioid crisis and so you know as we get into this thing and then also there's all you know a, a dearth of not a enough um um funds going to fund women's shelters right because we know that women are typically the last they're often the caregivers they're the last people to say they have a problem they're the last people to then go into treatment so there's not as many houses for women and so so we are trying to through our um, funding and so really look at women and children and funding um, like Camp Mariposa camps for kids in trauma, um, fu- uh, uh, a great um, programs, uh, you know, and then also female festivals, right? Female run festivals. We have music therapy program um, that that kind of helps people, um, you know, foster good mental health as well. And so there's a lot as we've got into this sort of like trying to understand the whole recovery ecosystem and where should we put resources? And I would also say one thing in that as well. So there's a lot on the front end that we know that money has to go to mm-hmm. um, with with kids, with um, women's shelters, with, um, you know, really fostering good mental health and, you know, people sort of, um, you know, trying to wring that sponge of because we do know here's the one thing we know. The thread through addiction is that most people have some kind of trauma or childhood trauma that they're dealing with. And um uh, to feed that black hole that they, if they haven't uh, kind of positively worked it out, then they, they, they get addicted. And we do know that. And right. And so uh, on the other end of it, we do know that, you know, as a, as a whole in society, we need to learn that forgiveness is not a cold word in a book, but that forgiveness is an active verb and that we can use it through recovery to work. That if someone has served their time and they're coming back in society, then we need to welcome them with open arms. And we need to, and West Virginia has done a great job at this. We have Jobs and Hope, which has wraparound services, you know, for folks coming um, out of the prison system. Then we have wonderful people like Tammy Jordan that's done Fruits of Labor. She catches people right out of um, the prison, right on probation and puts them. She has four different uh, catering and uh, bakeries and a new pizza place down in Beckley, Um, you know, so. So she is doing amazing work and is really getting recognized globally for, you know, this kind of like cutting edge and um, just wonderful, open minded work in recovery to work. And so places like Appalachian Botanical as well, that does uh, a lavender farm on abandoned coal mines uh, down in Boone County in Ashford. Um, Jocelyn Shepard and those folks are doing amazing work and restorative work of the land and the people. So that's the kind of fun thing, Burke, for me is like, you know, I think the wonderful thing is you find there's these big problems, right? And these problems are all over the United States. And then, sure. you know, you know what you find? You find people that are standing in the gap, people who are standing up, people who are creating their own solutions. And so that's been the beautiful thing. And, you know, we try to feel like with Healing Appalachia, we have tried to create like the farm aid for recovery, right? And um, this huge event, 23 national acts and people coming from all over the world and almost every state this year, including Alaska and, you know, trying to come there and then also you know, to to kinetically energize people like, you know, right this year we had with the West Virginia Drug Intervention Institute now called just the um, Drug Intervention Institute because they're all over the United States with the one box, which is a naloxone training box um, that's going to be like a first aid kit that's going to be all over the United States. It's already in about 40 states. And um, anyway, we trained 
uh, about a thousand people um, at at their booth, and we kind of incentivized folks. Uh, Gibson Gives gave uh, th- three Gibson guitars uh, to give away every night. Very cool. And, yeah, yep. and, and we had, uh, and then we also had some 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 of our great artists stop by, like the uh, Tyler's Band, the Food Stamps, and then Tommy Prine, um, you know, who sings about uh, addiction and recovery. Chris, that's hit his family. And so, you know, we try to uh, activate people. And of course, uh, Drug Intervention Institute uh, trained everybody from the stage as well in Naloxone. So we're hoping folks come back so that we had, you know, 18,000 people come there and about 2,000 volunteers. So 20,000 people, we hope they go back to their hometowns and they're more empathetic. They're ready to save a life uh, with Naloxone that we gave them. And, and they're also ready to be part of the solution and also kind of ready to create a healthier ecosystem and to be okay standing in that space of, you know what, I don't need drugs to have a good time. I can go and, you know, dance my butt off to Warren Haynes and Government Mule, and I don't have to be affected, right? I can just be affected in my mind and in my soul. Because music does that, right? It, well, it does. It, music in its in and of itself is a, uh, has a healing uh, quality. Healing Appalachia is the event. The website, if folks want to find out more, is what, Dave? Yes, uh, healingappalachia.org. And we have some great ways there where folks can uh, donate and we have merch there. And we also have, uh, if if you know of a good group um, that, you know, we like to say with, with Healing Appalachia and Hope in the Hills, the only strings attached are on our guitars. So we try to vet groups and we vet these angels on earth who are doing this amazing work every day. Uh, often unheralded, often uh, governments are casting down dispersion down on them for even doing that work, for doing harm reduction, for saving lives. And we like to say that the only strings attached are on the guitars. We vet good people, we give them money and let them do their work, right? And so that's that's what we're all about. We're sort of, sort of the anti-federal grant where you have to fill out 40 pages of paperwork to get $5,000. That's just not make it easy for them. And I, I love right. that. I, I love the whole message. I loved what I saw that, you know, you talked about the, the folks in recovery who were helping with security and building the stages there. And one of the things that surprised me is I I got a little more into finding out the cause of this, the root causes uh, and, and the after effects of the crisis in my home state of West Virginia and uh, throughout Appalachia and now throughout the country is uh, the danger that happens with kids, that there is an enormous amount of grandparents now who are raising children because their kids are addicted. There's an enormous crush on the foster care system that can't keep up. Um, that surprised me. That's something I didn't see coming. As a journalist, maybe nothing about this surprised you. Maybe it was a slow roll and you saw it coming. But but is there something that surprised you as you got more into to learning about this this crisis? I, you know, I think the fallout of that, I, I would say this for our for our listeners, for your listeners, Burke, is that Barbara Kingsolver, who's from Kentucky, right? She spent most of her career out in Arizona and has lived in back in Virginia for about 10 years. She won the Pulitzer Prize this last year for a massive book. I mean, you're going to be really intimidated when you pick up Demon Copperhead, right? And so... Anyway, it's it is a just absolutely. I mean, she won the Pulitzer Prize for it for a good reason. She wrote this about a kid who's growing up, and she follows this kid. You know, it's written from his perspective. This kid who kind of grows up, as you said, with the with a, a you know, in an addicted family, and is surrounded by um, you know in Virginia by this this family that's that's has addiction baked in, and then he he's just trying to do whatever he can to survive and. It was a real eye opener. And so it really gets a lot into the grand families and the issues that people are facing every day. And it's just one, it's an uplifting read. It's a real read. It'll make you cry. It'll make you laugh. And for folks who maybe don't understand or have sympathy or empathy for what's going on, I highly recommend that book. It's just a, it's just a, an exceptional read. And, you know, I'm like, it was, I, I read it this summer and, you know, I was sort of intimidated. It's almost 500 pages, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a commitment. It's, you got to make a commitment. You know, I, but man, it, you really blow through it because it's so, so powerful. So I would say that. I would say that, yes, I was, I would say that I was unaware of the extent of um, how much this has affected, is going to affect future generations. And so I do think we need to, at, at, at any cost, 
it's going to be worth it to you either pay now or you pay later, right? That's the old saying. And it's easy, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth, uh, what, or yeah, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? And so I do think that we need to double, all of us uh, across the United States need to double and triple, quadruple down on children and funding, funding um, things for foster kids, funding, um, you know, active things for children to do. You know, one thing that we do with a festival, so this is kind of a fun part of Healing Appalachia, is that Charlie Hatcher lives there in Lewisburg, and so we we have all of the youth groups involved. So we have a marching band that starts the festival. And the junior high band, uh, they help uh, clean the grounds for us. And this year they worked with zero waste uh, event productions. So we're recycling almost everything that was uh, thrown away at the festival. And so, which I'm very proud of that. But the, so cool. the junior, so junior high band picks up, uh, the, the high school band parks the cars. And uh, then we have other groups like Green River Academy that helps as well. You know, last year, um, and then also the Lions Club, their uh, basketball uh, league, they helped out. So last year, we gave over $50,000 um, to all those groups. They all got uh, over $10,000 a piece um, to help foster, because we know, right? We know that music is a sport for all seasons. And if you can get a, a kid who's playing in the in the middle school band, if we can help, um, you know, it, infiltrate if we can help uh, distill we can help uh, infuse their life with music that they have an outlet for when they're feeling down they have an outlet when um they maybe want to turn to bad things they can turn to their music and so anyway we know it's just a great uh, creative spiritual outlet music is and a lifelong one at that and so so we're really proud to like uh pour, pour money into that and we're looking at other ways too that we can help create more healthy uh, communities across Appalachia. And so that's ultimately, you know, ultimately we just want people to be happy. We want them to be healthy and we want them to be able to rise above um, the scourge that was, was, what was thrown down upon us by the pharmaceutical companies. You know, we just worked with Brad Paisley uh, to do two music videos uh, in my work at the film office. It kind of cross intersected with my work at Healing Appalachia. And we did uh, Son of the Mountains, which is his uh, title cut. And then we did the Medicine Wheel, which is a double-barreled shotgun blast at the pharmaceutical companies. Brad Paisley minces no word. He says that there needs to be a place hotter than hotter than the sun for the people uh, who um, were so greedy that they and they knew the facts. They knew how addictive these pills were, and and they still yet the pharmaceutical companies and uh, doctors prescribe this stuff all over Appalachia and have destroyed and uh, killed countless people, right? Like I said, 109,000 people last year in America alone. And so anyway, we just, we know that um, we have to be part of the solution. And we think that people like Brad standing up and uh, standing in that gap is going to help get this done, you know? And so that's, that's what we're here for um, with Healing Appalachia is, you know, also is, is narrative change, right? And so you saw some of that at Healing Appalachia. In between the bands, we have people come up and tell their stories. Also have film as well. And so we think film is a great way for people to um, hear narrative change, to watch. Uh, and, and TV shows, film and TV, are a great way for people to understand this crisis and to get to um, kind of hone their emph empathy muscle uh, toward what has happened. Because this isn't a Nancy Reagan uh uh, time to say just, just don't say do, no right just say no yeah that's right this isn't what happened and so i think brad pa the brad paisley standing up and pointing the finger at the right place um you know and as we know the bible says you know the love of money uh is the root of all evil and we we have seen this uh in 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 living color with the opioid crisis where uh, pharmaceutical companies were making billions and billions of dollars um by destroying people's lives and we're laughing and we're sending emails laughing about it and making fun of people and making fun of Appalachians. And I'm not here for that. I'm here. I'm here to see the day that they all go to prison, which probably will never happen. But in the meantime, we are boots on the ground, standing up, standing in the gap. And uh, we're doing everything we can to help make Appalachia better and in the United States better and healthier. You mentioned film. Our friend Eddie Mansour, the great writer, director, producer of Mind Nine, has a film coming out next year called Hazard. Sosie yep. Bacon will star in that, uh, along with uh, West Virginia native Kevin Sizemore and others. And uh, Sosie Bacon, Kevin Bacon's daughter, and that, that movie will shine a light on this. It's, it's pretty powerful stuff. The trailer debuted at, at Healing Appalachia. I do have to ask you, though, just to play devil's advocate, because I'm sure there are listeners uh, to the Big Time Talker podcast who would say, look, 
this is a choice. People have a choice. This is not a disease. This is not, uh, you know, something like cancer that you get and you can't do anything about it. It's a choice. These people are making bad life choices. And and that's what's causing all of this. What say you to that as somebody who has, has been down in the trenches? Yes. Yeah, so we know with, with uh, substance use disorder and with the opioid crisis that the vast the vast majority of folks that got addicted these came these these were people who you know had a back problem these are people who had been injured and that's why they specifically targeted you know the counties where that had high manufacturing jobs that had high coal mining jobs where we had people that whose bodies were broken right trying to fuel america right and so um with coal and so we know that we know that um, they got the they got these they got these pills. Uh, the vast majority of them, uh, especially at first, they all got legally from their doctors, and the doctors said these are fine. This is this is going to be a cure for your back. You can you can go to work now, and you can you can um, you know lead a normal life now through these pills. And of course, now we know better that these things were so addictive and and so destructive you know that it just wrecked un- and it still is wrecking untold havoc and so so we we know that we know that what the facts are right and so that that is the facts of this this opioid crisis is that it was systematically caused and there's been plenty of books and like i said a mile high stack of lawsuits that have been won because they were because the pharmaceutical companies were in the wrong on this there was an incredible story several years ago, and, I, and I, you'll know the specifics better than I about this tiny town in Mingo County, West Virginia, on the Kentucky border that was flooded with hundreds of thousands of pills by these pharmaceutical companies, and you know, decimated the entire town. And, and as you said, you know, I grew up in a coal mining town in Logan, West Virginia, where folks, you know, lose fingers and get busted up backs in the mines and they have legitimate issues and then they were just overprescribed and that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, and that's that's it. Yeah, they really they really pinpointed all of the blue collar kind of parts of the country where they knew that people were were busted up from from doing hard labor. And so um you know, that's yeah, that's that's um that's that's how it went down, you know. And we're trying to rise above that and you know, it's it's easy to 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 just be just, and and I am. I have I I say that I have bouts of righteous anger about this because I am definitely a right fighter in the sense of social justice and just sort of, you know, I I, I hate to see people wronged and I hate to see I you know my my one of my quotes is you know from the Bible you know that that which you do the least of these you know you do to Christ and I just hate to see you know people that pick on the poor. And, you know, I'm with Brad Paisley. They're going to have a a place one day that's hotter than the sun, I sure hope. And in the meantime, you know, we're we're gathering all the hope that we can and, you know, sort of putting together this patchwork quilt of people who are creating solutions. And and like you said, with people like Eddie Mansour, you know, I think that's the exciting thing is that you have people in the creative industries and film and TV who are making wonderful um wonderful wonderful uh, uh creative content you know who are uh and, and music too you know and uh content that to to help lift people up and to help people help, help people see their true story of it and so very excited for eddie's movie coming out and uh love love that we've been able to connect with with you guys over that and um you know it's it's uh that's we're, we're definitely about you know and we showed that at the um at Healing Appalachia with like videos um, like from uh, 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 Strong Like a Horse. They had a great video. I'm from here um, uh, with uh, with uh, with Clay Mazel, you know, some just beautiful videos um, that kind of get at what it was like to come up, uh, you know, in, a, in an area of addiction. So we're trying to like really kind of scattershot spray hope out there with music, do our little part. We're, we're a tiny part of this. Right. And but we think that music can be a great vehicle for ultimately saying that it's just us. It's not us and them that this opioid crisis affects everyone. And, um, you know, like I said, like I had said earlier, even if it doesn't affect you personally, I would hope you take it personally. Um, the fact that we lost Prince and Tom Petty and Whitney Houston and that that long, long list, Michael Jackson, that long, long list of people to opioids. And so 
it saddens my heart, right? Jerry Garcia, you know, and so, you know, I loved all those people's music. And so I would love to still have them here, man. Wouldn't you love it? What, what would, uh, what would those people be creating today? You know, uh, and uh, if they were alive, so I want more, more, I want to give people second chances, third chances, however many chances it takes to, um, to get it right and to get on a good path. And that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what we're all about. And so, if you want to find out more about all this great work that Dave and, and literally hundreds of others are doing, uh, the website is healingappalachia.org, healingappalachia.org. You mentioned Brad Paisley, country music superstar from Glendale, West Virginia, up around Moundsville and yeah. uh, Wheeling, was just in the state filming music videos. And and that's part of your work. You know, you, we talked about Eddie Mansour and his upcoming movie, uh, uh, Hazard. As as the guy behind the West Virginia Film Office, what what does that mean to people who who watch movies, who are fans of movies, but don't really know what it's all about? What is your job at the West Virginia Film Office? Yeah, so uh, yeah, so uh, in the last year, we have rebooted the West Virginia Film Office. We were one of five states that didn't have a film office, um, and the state legislature passed a really robust uh, tax credit, 27%, and then up to 31%, uh, no cap. Uh, if you hire 10 or more West Virginians. And so we help foster uh, TV and film productions um, in West Virginia. So the exciting thing is, is that, so with the tax credit, we had about, um, it was about seven or eight uh, films that took the tax credit, things like Christmas at the Greenbrier, um, had a couple, uh, some uh, really good Lifetime movies from the Tennell Brothers, Allegheny Image Factory, like to name drop them, because they've been wonderful um, supporters of the film, the film office. Love those guys. Yeah. And, and so also we just kind of help with locations. We help with uh, crew and services. Right. And so we have uh, Real Scout out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They help us uh, do our website and wvfilm.com. And so we kind of help productions with anything they need. And so in the last, the first year that we were back in business, we helped over 80 productions, about 84 productions. Um, of all levels, uh, you know, uh, we help them with something to help them get their uh, their show made. And so it's been a lot of fun, as you know, Burke, uh, being around the entertainment industry and the creative industry. I love it. It takes a village to make a film or a TV show. And, um, you know, and it's kind of like this wonderful mix of uh, creative arts and blue collar, you know, builders and costumes. And and so I love the circus. I love when the circus comes to town. Right. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's uh, really fun for me as somebody who's lifelong been in entertainment. But, you know, we've already had uh, what well, two things I would say. We've already had some really uh, cool productions that have come in. Uh, like, what would you do with John Quinones? Um that just came into Charleston and um, super fun working with them and just had a Discovery Channel show uh, that came in. Uh, we just wrapped on a three week, our one of our first international productions. Um, Wolf Shoulder, Shoulder Films uh, doing a psychological thriller called a Gettysburg Haunting. And uh, we have a ton of stuff on the way. I mean, a lot of stuff. You know, I think as soon as the... Uh, 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 actors um, get their contract signed up, um, you know, that that uh, get that sewed up. You know, we know the writers are now off strike. Uh, right. I think we're really going to see the dam burst loose and see a ton of a flood of great things come into West Virginia. Um, so we're going to uh, we're really kind of out there hustling and trying to tell people that West Virginia is back on the block. You know, we're within a you know half day drive of half the U.S. population. We're near the big film centers like Pittsburgh, uh, Washington D.C., and we have like over five thousand locations, right? And so we think we're really ripe, and we have some really unique properties, right? Well, of course, you think about the Greenbrier Bunker, you think about the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which is the second largest uh, limestone building in North America. We got Whitewater on demand with the Gully River, a top ten Whitewater River in the world. We got five ski resorts, including Snowshoe, which just had the uh, International Mountain Bike Championship last weekend uh, for the fourth year in a row. And so we have these, and then we also, West Virginia is a geological and geographical chameleon. So we have like, you can be, you can uh, pretend to be a European city. We have old historic towns like uh, Harper's Ferry and Shepherdstown. And uh, then you have um, 
some you know you have higher river towns like uh you know Weirton and Wheeling and uh Huntington and then you have some big cities you know Charleston Morgantown Huntington that are really cool rooftop bars you got everything everything that's contemporary right and uh so we have just a lot of and then we have uh we're the third most forested state so you can come into the Mongahela National Forest and just film some incredible stuff that looks like you're back in pioneer times and so, and then we have we have um, really uh, some great Civil War sites, and so we have uh, you can really film about anything here. So that's that's the kind of cool thing. It can really double as a lot of different places. And you know, I think Burke that you know working with Homer Hickam are intrinsically too our superpower as Appalachians and as West Virginians is that great storytellers, right? That's right. You have you have the Homer Hickams, and you have. Uh, what we found as we've gotten the film office back up and running and we're trying to asset map, where are things, you know, where's our film festivals? Who can we lift up? Where's our film schools, right? As we've dug in and we're sort of part cheerleader for that, um, we found that there's just amazing storytellers that had films ready to go, like Elaine and Curran Sheldon's Keen Cole that premiered out at Sundance, that's gotten, you know, full page reviews in The Guardian, that's gotten, I think it's like 80 earned media uh, reviews of Keen Cole, just an exquisite documentary. Uh, then also O Pioneer from Coat of Arms out of Helvetia, another just amazingly well done uh, documentary that uh, shines hope on on uh, the, the new pioneering spirit in Appalachia. It's kind of a new day. And uh, so we see West Virginia, like Brad Smith and John Chambers does as a startup state, we see that they see that in tech and also in uh, narrative change and in uh, setting up the film industry here, because West Virginia is a, you know, a, a, a soft place to fall and a great place to launch. And, you know, it's just a wonderful place to do business. And um, we're ready for it. We are we are full of uh, creative storytellers. And so the film office is trying to do a lot of stuff to kind of foster uh, filmmaking here. Um, we have a great program called Teen Screen with Film Pittsburgh. Um, we we screen films for uh, junior high and high school kids for free all over West Virginia, thanks to a Benedim Foundation grant. And uh, we have a new program with that called Appalachian Resiliency and Recovery. It's a an hour program that shows some of these people that we're talking about with Healing Appalachia, right? Some of these um, solution makers. Uh, so some great documentary film in there. Um, including Troublesome Creek, about uh, Troublesome Creek string instruments um, down in eastern Kentucky that uses folks in recovery to build guitars and uh, uh, mandolins. And then also some just great uh, narrative change films like Lilac Gulch uh, as well in the features, uh, short features. So we're kind of showing kids that, you know, these are amazing films that are shot here. Guess what? You can be an artist here. You can be a creator here. So we've been teaming up with a lot of those folks, you know, and and sort of like the Emily, I just talked to Emily Calandrella earlier this week, the Space Gal, you know, that has a show on Netflix, uh, Emily right. Space Lab. And so just really trying to foster that next generation to let them know that um, you can make film here. You can be a part of the film industry here. And we have kids uh, from all over the uh, students from all over the state who are actually being a part of the film industry. We have really robust video production programs. Um, at different universities, including WVU and Marshall. And some of the Marshall kids, uh, we had a kid on the, uh, we had uh, two Marshall students who were PAs on the Brad Paisley shoot. One of them graduated on a Sunday. On Tuesday, he was on a set with Brad Paisley shooting a uh, two national videos. How great is that? Oh, just fantastic. That may, That's the kind of stuff that makes my job, you know, I'm a dad. And so that's the kind of stuff that makes my job all worthwhile. I don't care about meeting whoever or whatever. I, I just want to like see this next generation come up filled with hope, come up filled with the knowledge that, yes, you can be a creator here. Yes, you should be a creator here. You can make your movie here. You can make an impact here and you can stay here in Appalachia and do it. You don't necessarily have to move to, to Los Angeles or, or wherever. Um, I wonder if sure. you may not have hard data on this day, but uh, for years and years, you, you thought of, of TV and movie and you know film being done in Los Angeles. And then you started to see it branch out. A lot of stuff happening in Canada, yeah. a lot of stuff happening in Atlanta. Wilmington, North Carolina became a big uh, television place. Wilmington. Yeah, Wilmington. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the What is the, the economic impact of a TV show or a film coming into the community? Do you have any idea... Uh, you know, how many jobs are created on the short term or how much money comes into a town when something like that happens? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, we know that, you know, I think, I think with the, uh, Tunnel brothers, I think they, they had, um, so they had two, uh, lifetime movies that were about, about a million and a half, a little bit over that, um, that shot. And they ended up premiering back to back last, um, uh, last February. Right. And so we know that they shot around Morgantown, Fairmont and Clarksburg. And we know that they put like at least straight into the economy, like hard numbers into the economy, economy about half a million dollars. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so those are like, you know, of course, you know, it takes a village to do this. Right. So so you're put so a, a film just takes everything. Right. So so I, I call it's kind of like an, an octopus comes into your town and and, and it just it, it touches everything in your town. Right. So there's security, there's there's catering, there's hotels, there's transportation. There's just so many aspects of putting on a film that, you know, that impact, um, you know, that are above and beyond just like uh you know, hiring pe- people from that town as well and from the surrounding areas, you know. And so it's really just a great, a, a great economic impact. Um, you know, and, and I would say too that interesting thing about the economic impact of film is that if you get one that hits, if you get something that really hits the heartstrings, if you get one that really kind of gets into the zeitgeist, you know, you have an your CVB, and I'm on the CVB board at Huntington. Uh, great uh, the uh, Huntington Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. Right. We we still to this day twice a month at least do a We Are Marshall uh, tour. Right. And so if you if you get a film that hits like a We Are Marshall like Super Eight and Weirton, you know that yeah. was J.J. Abrams' de- directorial debut that did Star Wars. You know you get folks you get an evergreen um tourism boost forever right and so that's the great thing about film you get this initial rush rush and this initial bump from economics but then your your convention and visitors bureau can use this thing forever um to to draw in more films but also to um for a a tourism boost as well and wouldn't it be great if, if you know when the hatfields and mccoy's documentary was done or not documentary i'm sorry the tv miniseries was done it was filmed uh, in Romania or somewhere, wouldn't it have been great to film it in West Virginia or October yeah. Sky with our friend Homer Hickam? You know, they uh, Universal decided to film that in Tennessee instead of West Virginia. So, yeah. is a big part of your job trying to lure some of these features into the state? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we talked about, you know, as you were talking about with, um, you know, Eddie Mansour's uh, film, you know, with with Kevin Bacon's daughter, Sosie, you know, uh, the whole Kevin Bacon, you know, six degrees of separation, you know, in West Virginia, we feel like it's two, right? That's and right. So, and so one of the things that we're really trying to do is, you know, and we're starting to get it with like Brad coming back, you know, I've been reaching out to a lot of West Virginians who are in the industry, and we're going out to American film market with Berkeley County, we got the last last locations booth for the locations expo at the American film market that runs October 30th through November 5th out in LA. And we're spreading the message, you know, for the folks that are our expats that are in LA that are in the industry that are in New York, um, you know, that we're open for business. We have the best, one of the best film tax credits on the books, and we want you to come back and make that film. And, you know, you mentioned Hatfields and McCoys, you know, I played Devil Ants in the, you know, documentary remake, right? That that Daryl Fetty, the producer, he produced both the miniseries with Kevin Costner and he produced the documentary um, that was accompanied, that accompanied that that miniseries that told the, you know, kind of true story, right? right. And Kev, Kevin Costner was the narrator on that. And, you know, Daryl, uh, you know, loves West Virginia from West Virginia, Marshall grad, you know, he, he had to go to Eastern Europe, you know, because that was where, you know, the, the film industry, you know, had such a kind of legacy of going there for their tax credit and for their infrastructure. You know, I'm in Daryl's ear. Let me, let me tell you <laughs> about, you know, and, and folks like Daryl, you know, who, and, and of course, Eddie Mansour and, you know, a ton of people that we, we know in the industry, um, you know, to, Hey, when you have a project that would fit that you could work into West Virginia, you know, we're building up our infrastructure. We have great, we do have great crew here already. And the great thing is, you know, you mentioned Wilmington and you mentioned um, kind of, you know, the fact that we have five border states. So it's pretty damn easy to, like, get great crew um, from from the D.C. and Baltimore area um, to come into the eastern panhandle. That's only four hours from New York, um, you know, and in Pittsburgh, you know, up in the panhandle. I mean, you just got amazing film industry up there. So we can do some pretty big productions because we can really draw in crew, you know, from uh, from West Virginia and then fill that also in, 
uh, with our good friends that live in Maryland or Virginia or Ohio or Kentucky, because it's Appalachia. We're all in this together. Strengthening the film industry in West Virginia is great for Pittsburgh. It's great for Southern Ohio and Ohio. It's great for Kentucky. It's great for our good friends in Southwest Virginia and Maryland as well. Right. So we're all in this together. And I think that that's what we're trying to do. It's going to spread the word and reel in some more big fish, you know, like Brad Paisley to come and do music videos here, to come and do some movies and have fun with us and create. Because I've said this, Burke, and you know this from from touring all over the world. You know, we don't have much red carpet in West Virginia, but we got all the green carpet um, and we'll roll it out for you all day long. And, uh, you know, it's an easy place to do business. It's a natural place to do business. And we're just, there's a real down home. And uh, Larry Gross always said that West Virginia had the lowest BS factor of any state. And I think that people who come to see Mountain Stage and are part of it for 40 years, right? You, you have the people like Wilco. Why are they still coming back? You know, um, yeah. Well, because they love West Virginia. They love Larry Gross. They love uh, Kathy Matea. They love doing business here. And so I think we're going to get that with the film industry. We're going to get, we're going to be like a little Austin when it was busting out. You know, we're like a cool, funky place to do business that's not plastic. And I think in a world that's increasingly plastic, increasingly just connected on the internet, that we're like a, a real place, real storytellers, real locations. I know that from the, um, the Tunnell brothers told me that, you know, the folks at Lifetime, they just were like, how did you get all those people? How'd you get all these extras? How did you get this amazing courthouse? This court, you know, you know, we can't build these kind of places. And, you know, because it's real. And I think that's the great thing about West Virginia is that you can come here. Hey, let's go shut down a town. Let's get down into Williamson and some of these amazing cities that are already having an incredible arts renaissance. And, and Logan, let's make some great, uh, let's make some great movies and TV here. David Lavender, you are indeed one of West Virginia's chief do-gooders, and I appreciate all you do. That's my friend Dave Lavender. The Film Office website, again, is? Yeah, so wvfilm.com, and uh, please reach out to me, and we'd love to have uh, have you here and create. And we love we love our... Uh, you know the 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 tax credits for fifty thousand and above in a in a spend in a year, but you know we love working with our DIY folks. We know the next Steven Spielberg is a eighth grader um, with his iPhone, and so you know you know me, Burke. I love I love working with everybody, and just blown away. I was just at Mountain Craft Film Festival last weekend, and just amazing the films that are coming out of. Uh, uh, there's one called Burnt Factory that came out of uh, WVU, a couple kids that just knocked it out of the park, you know. And so, so happy to be here uh, in Appalachia and just creating and, you know, getting to hang out with folks like you who are, you know, doing good and, uh, you know, making great content. And so that's what we love supporting uh, music and film. And and that's where it's at, man. That's David Lavender. He <laughs> is the, uh, the, the big kahuna at the West Virginia Film Office. He also is deeply involved in Healing Appalachia. You can find out more about the wonderful work that group does at healingappalachia.org. When you grow up, kids, you want to be like Dave. Dave Lavender, thanks for being here today. Dave's not here, man. Thank you, Burke. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dave Lavender, our guest of the Big Time Talker podcast. Thank you to SpeakerMatch.com, our show sponsor, and thank you for making us a part of your day. Download new episodes every Tuesday right here. It's the Big Time Talker Podcast with Burke Allen. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.